Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many yeah, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zipline through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hooker Show, a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Objective insight, expertise, top guests. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off the Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Also available on OffTheHookSports.com. I compute and obey. Now, to Dave Hooker. Ready. My, what a difference a year makes as Tennessee was coming off one of their most historic wins in the history of the program after the Alabama game last year had all the drama you could possibly imagine. And this one looked like it was going to be a one-sided affair. And what happened? Tennessee came out in the second half and basically laid an egg. Why? We'll talk about officials. Travis has already started, and I don't blame you. I thought the officiating was poor, is poor. Uh, across the nation as a whole in college football. Um, But still, Tennessee has some deficiencies that I mentioned in the summer, and we're going to discuss the state of this program. Is it on schedule to be a championship program in the near future? I think you can debate that, but we're going to get into that right now. Caleb, how are you, sir? I am good. I have a new chair in case you guys haven't noticed. And man, my neck is in such better shape now since I can sit in this chair. <laughs> I was just thinking, does Caleb have a new chair? So you, you you got me on that one. Let's go ahead and get rolling now. We want to remind you that portions of the program are brought to you by Andy Mason Real Estate, including what we're about to talk about, and that's the blame pie. And I want to hear you on the message board the blame pie. What percentage are you giving to who? And you can include the officials 
if you would like to. Also, we will visit with Spencer Riley each and every Monday, which is just simply awesome. We will have our Torchbearer Awards. There were some standouts for the Vols. And the report card, I think Caleb was a little nice on that one after reading that. Well, we'll discuss Again, Spencer Riley, SEC Power Rankings, biggest jump, biggest fall, who's overrated right now, who's underrated. Uh, and Tennessee, a three-and-a-half to four-and-a-half point favorite at Kentucky. I may be missing something, but that seems incredibly incredibly uh, robust to me after the way Tennessee played in the second half. Let's go ahead and get to today's tough question brought to you by Andy Mason, realestate.com. Today's tough question. Take a side. Take a stand. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of offthehooksports.com. All right, today's tough question. We're going to play Blame Pie. How would you divvy it up? The column is is on offthehooksports.com right now if you would like to follow along by the one, the only Caleb Calhoun. And there's plenty of blame to go around and you, you've got a little bit of everybody. When you lose a game like that, that you're dominating basically at halftime, there's blame to go around, no question about it. Now, the, let's talk groups, and then let's talk coaching. Let's talk specific players. Uh, and you didn't mention the officials, and I, I'm the guy who does not jump all over officials at every drop of the hat, but I did have a problem with uh, what happened on Saturday, and a lot of people did too. So go ahead and click like and mash that subscribe button, and let's take a look at the blame pie. So I want to start with D. Williams at 5%. D. Williams, your thoughts? Yes, yeah, so D. Williams, I would say I want to – Again, you could put this on the officials. So I, I'm separating officials versus what happens within the context of the game, if that makes sense. So we sure. could do all of this as one compared to the officials. But what I would say is D. Williams specifically, whether or not you blame the officials or him, either he or the official, somebody's at fault for that waving off of the kickoff that was then returned. Okay. Yeah. Which spotted Tennessee the ball at the four yard line, which then does kill drives. As you and I both know, you spot that that totally killed that Tennessee drive. Josh Heupel ran it three times and punted because he felt like he had to. I did. I, I saw D. Williams stretch his hands out. If he was trying to wave it off, that's a really bad move. You don't wave off kickoff returns. That's rule number one in football. It, it is true, and you're taught that it's it's shoulder. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see what I'm doing. It's shoulder to extend. That's the rule. That's what you're supposed to do. I remember in high school we had a guy that just stuck his hand up and waved like he was waving to Caleb down the road. That, that doesn't count. Um, that uh, that happened, and that turned out to be a turnover in high school. And it's like, no, you go shoulder to out. That is the fair catch sign. Josh Heupel's 10% of the blame. And here's where I may differ with you a little bit, Caleb. Uh, do, you, do you want to tell me where you differ first? No, I, you go ahead. Why Josh Heupel 10%? Heupel, so Josh Heupel, I'm giving him the 10% because of specifically two plays. The fourth and one and the fourth and inches. Both of those, I'm sorry. I don't blame him for going for it. I blame the play calls. This is a pet peeve of mine in college football today. Punting was a pet peeve of mine for years. And I'm glad Josh Heifel rejected that. But I also reject fourth and one calls where you take the ball so far off the line of scrimmage. I don't understand why on fourth and less than five inches you can't do a quarterback sneak and get the first down. If Tom Brady was so perfect on quarterback sneaks his whole career and he was, what, 6'2", 
like barely 200 pounds and super unathletic. And if Peyton Manning, as you know, was perfect on quarterback sneaks and was not athletic, you're telling me a 6'5", 240-pound guy can't get a first down on a quarterback sneak if he just falls the right way? You can't coach that? I, I agree. I don't know why the guy's six foot five, two hundred and forty pounds, and he's taking a shotgun snap on fourth and short. So I'll I'll, I'll give you that as well. I'm going to put a little bit more on this loss because of things that didn't even have to do with this game, and that is uh, misjudging, misevaluating some of these transfer players that came in. Uh, they got pretty hyped up. I think Tennessee should have gone after a quarterback at, at one point and then had some sort of battle and. Uh, Joe Milton played great. I'm not here to rip Joe Milton, but I think there's a couple of different things that were done in the offseason that actually led to this loss. Okay, let's move forward. And it's brought to you by Andy Mason, andymasonrealestate.com. Best service, best prices in the biz. And I tell you what, if you're in any sort of real estate buying or selling situation, he is your guy, no question about it. Everybody involved in the passing game, uh, Caleb just lumps them all together at 15%. I don't expect you to break them down by two and a half, three and a half percent. So I'm fine with that. 15%, everybody involved in the passing game. Yes. And by the way, you can be, um, Bill O'Reilly had a great, remember his segment back in the day called Pinheads and Patriots, where he would I, like, he would attack people for being very, being, doing something stupid, but then give people credit for being Patriots. And he would say, you can be a pinhead and a Patriot on different days. Well, the passing game, there's a lot of credit for what they did on Saturday, but also made some mistakes on Saturday. So they're on both ends of this. And so they, um, the the mistakes they made, there were just some issues. Joe Milton missed two throws in the red zone, Dave. He, the, two touch, the two field goals inside the 10-yard line should have been touchdowns. Joe Milton missed a throw on both of those. Our guy Jacob Warren got caught with a holding penalty on a screen that was bad, and he also – and he admits it. Uh, he admitted it yesterday on the interview with you that he misjudged a ball thrown to him in the end zone at one point. And then – we got to call out the strip sack. That was on Joe Milton after me We rewatching that. You got to get rid of the ball. You can't hold the ball that long in the pocket. That's just rule number one of football. And remember the Ramel. And then here's a big one. One of the fourth and ones that they were stopped on was set up by a Ramel Keaton nine-yard catch. But remember that Ramel bobbled that catch? And that was the biggest reason it wasn't a first down. If he catches that straight up, that's a first down. And then there was the play where Squirrel White, who I give a lot of credit to for the game, but there was one play where he stopped running on a play that Joe Milton threw on the last drive. And that was a big deal too. All those little things add up to just, there were some passing game mistakes. And um, yeah, it, it, I will say Dante Thornton also had another drop in the one time he was in the game. <laughs> yeah. And I think the love affair with Dante Thornton is officially over. Orange blood says Thornton is useless other than sending him deep to carry a defensive back with him. I'm not <laughs> sure they need to run with him anymore. Um, I think there's and- a hate affair with him now. I think people are enjoying hating him. It's almost like the Tony Harris situation. Overall, he was a good player. Remember the guard played for yeah. Tennessee Tony Harris? It's all it's like he was a good player, but Tennessee fans grew to hate him. But Tony Harris actually delivered. Dante Thornton hasn't delivered like Tony Harris has at all. Tony Harris delivered unless it was clutch. I still remember the one the one shot in Dayton against Charlotte that hit the bottom of the backboard. That's pretty difficult to do. I mean, it's difficult to hit the padding in the bottom of the backboard. But he still but, got he was still the anchor of four NCAA tournament teams. I agree. I agree. That may be a bad comparison. Just the the venom people feel are starting to feel for Dante Thornton may be a little bit uh similar. Um and then on the message board, uh, I just like to see him run free and ignore him. 
Um, I don't know that they're going to do that anytime soon, but uh, we shall see. So uh, blame pie. Uh, what else we got? Uh, we'll just combine these last two because I want to get to officials on the segment too a little bit, but uh, it's the interior, it's the trenches and defensive line and interior blocking defensive line. The tackle struggled in the second half. I just the Omar Thomas and Omar Norman both had a tackle for a loss, but they couldn't get a push in the second half. I think they got tired and then interior blocking Tennessee never got the run game going and they just could not run the ball. And so those two that combined, they combined for 70% of the reason Tennessee lost, they lost in the trenches. Well, and I'll tell you, too, this was bound to happen. Okay, so defense is starting, started dropping people back, even linebackers to some extent. They were afraid they would get beat by the deep pass. They haven't gotten beat by the deep pass. We're halfway through the season, right? I mean, how many deep balls are we talking about compared to this time last year? Half, maybe a third. And Okay, so what happened, Nick Saban looked at this thing, and he's like, hey, at halftime, and he had a very confident going into the locker room interview, if you remember, he's just going to bring guys up and load the box. And that's exactly what they did. Stop the running game, make Joe Milton beat you. And if you had to hold my feet to the fire right now, if teams continue to do that, and they will, because it worked, I think Tennessee starts to trend down for the remainder of the season. Because I think Josh Heupel uh, and this coaching staff got away with a lot of masking Joe Milton's deficiencies by running the football and running the football at an incredibly high level. But that certainly wasn't the case. And look for Kentucky, who somehow is about a four-point dog to Tennessee in Lexington. Look for them to do the same thing. Now, the officials. Let's address this. The officials, the head official is not a realtor in Tuscaloosa. They kind of look the same. They're two different dudes. The SEC is very good about you didn't go to that school, so you can't officiate their games. You don't have any ties with that school. Well, even more than going to that school, Caleb, being a realtor, because I'm sure any business people in Knoxville would attest to this, is even more significant significant than going to that school because it helps the entire economy when Alabama is good, of Tuscaloosa, of Birmingham, the whole area. So... I would have had a real problem with that. And when I first saw it, I wanted to dig into it. I want to say something else about officiating. I, I, I was an official uh, or an ump for about seven, eight years. It is easy to get caught up in a comeback. And you've got to be really careful, Caleb, to not let that affect your calls, especially when you're in somebody else's venue. You've got to be extra extra careful not to get carried away with the crowd and with the momentum of the game. I think some of that happened as well. And I, I don't think it was premeditated, but I think some of that happened. You? Yeah. They track this in the NFL. They talk about how the disparity in calls for teams that are trailing, that are making a comeback, how many calls they get in in that moment. And, and I forget the number, but it was incredible on how many more calls you're likely to get when you're trailing by multiple scores in a game in the NFL. I think that was part of it. Look, for those trying to throw the conspiracy theory out there that the SEC has some secret agenda to make sure Alabama's in the college football playoff hunt, guys, that that theory doesn't hold water, if I'm going to be honest with you. The reason that theory doesn't hold water is because, theoretically, Tennessee was in the same spot on Saturday. Both had one loss in that one. Now, you could say, look, I do think there's a problem with conferences having their own officials because I do think in a certain scenario you could see, like, for instance, Whoever wins the Big Ten East, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, probably Ohio State, they're going to play a two-loss Big Ten West team. Obviously, Big Ten officials in the Big Ten title game are going to want Ohio State to win to make sure the Big Ten gets a team in the college football playoff. 
Like that's that is a sure. that is that is a real conflict of interest to me. And this is a problem with conferences having their own sanctioned officials. But with that being said, that conspiracy doesn't apply last Saturday. It doesn't do good for the SEC to make sure Alabama's winning all the time. That's not what they want. That's not what anybody wants. Okay. So that I, I'm with you. I think they got called up in the moment. There were some bad calls. And I think it's as simple as this. Officials are overworked and underpaid because they're not full-time. They don't have time to study the rule book. They don't have time to study the things they need to study to be prepared for something like a D Williams, whether or not he does this or this, because, and you, I don't know if you noticed this, Dave, it was three plays this weekend that was like that because D Williams did it. They waved it off. Did you see the Iowa punt return touchdown? They waved off because it looked like a, uh, Iowa lost to Minnesota 12 to 10. They had a typical Iowa score at the end of the game. They had a punt return for a touchdown. Well, the guy, as he was running, like with, with his backhand, he was doing this. And the official said that was a fair catch. So they waved off the punt return for a touchdown. And that happened. But then North Carolina had a punt return where a guy straight up did a fair catch and then returned it. They're just not consistent with how they're calling things right there, right now. They missed the hold on Tyler Barron uh, on the Jalen Milrow touchdown pass. It was a blatant, obvious hold. Guys, they miss holding penalties. That happens in football. And yep. I think these mistakes were inexcusable, but I don't think it was a conspiracy. No, I, I I mean, if you were ever busted for a conspiracy in that regard, it could ruin a sport. I mean, if it, just like if games were fixed, would you be watching football this Saturday? If there was a huge conspiracy that games were fixed, I wouldn't. So I don't think there's any conspiracy with officiating. I do think officials get caught up and you do have to overcome that. By the way, we had Jacob Warren uh, talking about the officials and Cooper Mays. That's on our YouTube channel. So be sure and hit that like and subscribe button now. We greatly appreciate it, too. If you want to share on social media, let's bring more people in here because we're going to have Spencer Riley coming up next. It is time for our Torchbearers and Report Card. The Torchbearers that you have, Jackson Ross, Jalen McCullough, James Pierce, Joe Milton III, and Squirrel White. Why were those your five guys that win our Torchbearer Awards, which are essentially the best players in the game? So I struggled to put Jackson Ross on there because I looked at his numbers. But Dave, as you would know, half the reason his numbers were so good was because Cooley McKinstry stupidly did not field two punts that he should have fielded for Alabama in, in that one, which allowed them to go so many yards. But he did he average over drinking, 50. He was drinking the official Kool-Aid that... Yeah. Uh, yeah, that uh, the officials were going to bail him out. Uh, <laughs> no, what he was what he was doing was remember the fumbled punt last year that Tennessee got against Alabama that got them a touchdown. I think that was in his head because we all remember the video of Nick Saban lashing out, and he did not want a moment of Nick Saban doing that to him on TV. Pretty much, that's no. what that was. Uh, and, true, uh, Jalen McCullough, and I think a lot of these defensive backs are improving. But honestly, Caleb, I think that's because of the pass rush, who you have at number three, James Pierce Jr. I don't know that these defensive backs are actually that much better. I think they're better, but I don't think it's ostensibly better. I think it's the pass rush uh, they have to defend for roughly you know, two seconds instead of four. That's a mountain of time. It is. It's a big difference. I don't think the pass rush was bad last year, though, with Byron Young. And Tennessee was able to unleash it with a lot of early leads. I think they would get tired if they were locked in a close game. But Tennessee wasn't in a lot of close games last year. So, but you'd, but you'd agree it was a, it was a, you'd agree it's significantly better now, though, right? 
Um, yes, I would. Last I think there's more depth a, now. Yeah, if last year was a B, I mean, this is an A, or if last year and, was a C, yeah. And, and James, yeah, if McCullough's on here for the interception, I would have given that to Danico Slaughter, but it turns out he didn't even tip that ball, just bounced off the receiver's hands, and McCullough caught it after rewatching it on film. Uh, I gave James Pierce a uh, torchbearer because the strip sack, Dave, you called for it last week. You said they need a strip sack, and James Pierce delivered for you, and he did that. And Joe Milton and Squirrel White, I mean, look, Tennessee – I think we're underrating. They've realized how to use Joe Milton now. And Joe Milton was, I mean, almost one with a Spencer Rattler because he was the whole offense in the game on Saturday because they couldn't run the ball. I mean, Joe Milton went from like being useless against Texas A&M to carrying the offense on Saturday. And he, and Squirrel White was the help for that. Joe Milton is just now beginning to grasp the collegiate game of football. Because if you want to look back, I know he's in what is 18th year in college, but he hasn't really played that much because he's gotten benched and injuries. Um, and he's just now figuring out when he should run. I, I, I wrote a lot for Saturday Down South about Bryce Young. And his first year, I thought that he held on to the ball a little too long and kept his eyes downfield. And the next year, he improved that. He knew, hey, I can scamper for 8 to 10. And that really makes it difficult on defenses. So we can talk about Joe Milton being 38 years old, but Joe Milton is now just figuring out the feel and when he should go. I think you would agree with that, right? I do. I do. And also, I think there were some – it's funny. We had Jimmy on last week. I can't wait to talk, talk to him Wednesday because it's like Joe Milton read Jimmy Hyam's article because we were saying that he wasn't even making the decision himself to run. He made the decision himself to run on a lot of those plays on Saturday. Very clearly, that was his decision. And I think the coaches have been insisting in him, look, this is, you can run. You can run and you'll be effective. And by the way, if you're worried about your NFL draft stock, in this day and age with quarterbacks, you being able to run as a plus. Um, absolutely. So let's see who's number one. And it's brought to you by Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn. Enjoy life better when you see better. Local vision service for LASIK, cataract surgery, and regular eye examination. Uh, that is cctis.com, cctis.com. Look at me, no contacts and no glasses, and I absolutely love it. Number one, look, it's a squirrel. Squirrel white. <laughs> you had him number one. I, I can't argue with that. I can, yeah, half. I mean, Joe Milton, a lot of his yards came from two amazing catches by Squirrel White on the opening drive. One, that first completion was behind Squirrel White, and he caught the slant. Something Tennessee's receivers haven't been doing this year. We've been saying they need to be able to catch some inaccurate balls. Squirrel's the only one catching inaccurate balls right now. And then the touchdown catch was just incredible. So, yep, Squirrel's number one. 50 Cent has a line from patiently waiting with Eminem in this white man's world. I'm similar to a squirrel, and I'm not going to say the rest because it's very, very dirty. But... But thank you. Um, <laughs> as as we grade the balls, let's take a look at quarterback number one. Um, if, if Joe Milton's playing like this in Gainesville, you're, we're, we're having a conversation that Tennessee probably still controls all its uh, own destiny, uh, but he is just now coming into his own. And you gave him, I thought, a pretty generous and, and accurate grade. Yeah, B+. Plus. Joe Milton played well. He wasn't spectacular i didn't come away from that game being like this guy is like a generational talent but i came away saying this is what tennessee needs out of joe milton to win games and if you can do that the rest of the year they'll be fine absolutely agree and as we go down the list you've got running back c you if you wanted to you could write inc as an incomplete because i just they just didn't have any opportunities yeah i agree it i, I said when i do incomplete for me is a c because that's just straight average 
It's like when I had great presidents who die in all when I historically used to great presidents who died in office within a year, which there were a few. No, seriously, there's a president, William Henry Harrison, who died 30 days after he was elected. How do you grade his presidency? Okay, and I'm like, okay, he's a C. Well, he wasn't in it for the long haul, so that's a D for me. <laughs> what he did was he decided to be a man. He decided to drink DC water in the 1840s and give the longest inauguration speech in history in the winter when he was the oldest president elected at the time. Yes. yes no, no place smells like DC built in a swamp. All right. So your thoughts on the grades and tell me what you think about Joe Milton. Do you feel better or worse about him on our message board as we continue to give out uh, the grades for Tennessee's loss to Alabama? You had wide receivers at an A minus. If I would have told you the quarterback B plus and wide receivers A minus, aren't, aren't you saying Tennessee wins fairly easily? Yes, I'm saying they win very easily. Did not see that happening. But the, if, it, if it wasn't for a bobble by Romel Keaton, it would have been an A+. Plus. And also, white Squirrel White stopping a run on a play. But, I mean, at the at the end of the day, still an A-, minus, still pretty good. And also, technically, kind of in the receiving game, tight ends, B- minus because of the McCollins-Castle touchdown and the blocking. But, again, that, that holding penalty by Warren, and then just that I had to give it down to a B- because of that. Yep. And the offensive line gets a C-. minus. I think you were a little bit generous with that, to be honest. I, with you. I, I, to me, a C would be it. They played. I, I would be more along the lines of a D. I'll just tell you that. I think Joe Milton was protected well for a lot of the game. People are going to talk about the strip sack. I still put that on him more than I do the offensive line. And part of the reason they didn't run the ball well is if you go back and watch Alabama was closing the interior gaps. They sold out to close those gaps as much as possible, which was why Joe Milton was able to run a lot around the outside. And so I think part of that was scheme more than it was how they played. Give me the defense quickly uh, because we have got to get to Spencer Riley, who is killing it at Jeff County. Uh, Run the defense down before we take a quick break and get Spencer in here. All right, so we got defensive tackles at a C plus. First half A plus, second half D minus, and so I, I gave them a C plus. Uh, edge rushers a B plus. They James Pierce Jr. had the strip sack. Tyler Barron would have had a sack if he was not held on a blatant call. Joshua Joseph had a sack and a pass breakup, but they didn't do enough in the second half for an A. Linebackers a C, similar to the defensive tackles tale of two halves. And my generous secondary, I think, is a B minus. They were balling until Kamal Haddon got hurt, and I don't. And outside of that one busted coverage on the middle of a touchdown, I think they were fine. Kicking game is an A. Return game because of the D. Williams penalty is a D minus. All right. Two minutes, Spencer Riley. We love visiting with him, and he's killing it as a head coach. Maybe Tennessee calls him and gets an offensive line coach out of this thing. We'll discuss two minutes. He's shaking his head no in the little queue. He likes where he's at, and Jeff County's doing fantastic, and I'm so happy for Spencer. Two minutes, and we're back with Spence. Sun, sand, and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. Sports Treasures in North Knoxville is one of the South's largest sports cards and memorabilia dealers featuring over 10 million sports cards from vintage to modern. Sports Treasures carries a full line of hobby boxes, singles, autographed memorabilia, Tennessee ball collectibles, fan cave decorations, and so much more. See a museum full of collectibles at Sports Treasures, 4819 North Broadway in Fountain City, and Sports Treasures on Facebook. Sports Treasures, where the real sports fan goes to shop. 
Have you seen the latest TriStar Hats Co. product? TriStar Hats Co.? What's that? You know, those really cool hats, shirts, tumblers, and even license plates with three stars like the official Tennessee flag and stripes like the American flag. Pretty patriotic if you ask me. Ah, gotcha. Seen those. Those are cool. Where can I get them? Simple. TriStarHatsCo.com. And if you order now, there's 10% on any order $50 or more. Plus, use the promo code HOOKED. With the promo code HOOKED, you get 10% off. That's HOOKED. And don't forget free shipping with any order over 50 bucks. Stock up at TriStarHatsCo.com. That's TriStarHatsCo.com. There are plenty of wannabes out there, so make sure you go to TriStarHatsCo.com for the best quality and customer service. Will do, and I'll be sure to use the promo code HOOKED. That's HOOKED when I do to save an additional 10% off. TriStarHatsCo.com. TriStar Hats Co. is a trademark of TriStar Hats Co. LLC. Any use without express written consent is prohibited. A college football tradition like no other. Yes, sirree, boys and girls. Or the guy that just won't leave. Wow. That is sad. The Dave Hooker Show. YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Back to Dave Hooker. All right, here we go. It is one of my favorite segments of the week. It is Spencer Riley joining us now, former Tennessee offensive lineman, VFL center, and Spencer, how are you, sir? Good, man. Just trying to get things accomplished for today and get, keep my day rolling as we as we move along and get ready for this week's ball game and it's senior night here at Jefferson County, so trying to get all this paperwork done and get ready for our seniors and their parents to be recognized on this great night here in Dumplin' Valley. Yep, no doubt about it. And uh, you, you guys could get a first-round home game, right, if if well, you win this Friday? We, we've already locked that up, so we're, we're definitely the number one seed in our region. So uh, so we, we will host the playoffs all the way through until we are done playing or we end up in uh, Chattanooga. There you go. Uh, hey, I'm just down the road. I'll come root for you. Come on. All right. So, uh, Spencer, let's let's talk about being at home because I believe, and I was an umpire or official of some sort for about seven, eight years just to get through college. And, yes, it took me about six years to get through college. Most people are doctors when they do that, not me. It's all um, right. Yeah, but, uh, Spencer, I believe when you're at home, the officials are more likely subconsciously to be on your side, especially if momentum with the home team starts to pick up. And I thought we saw some of that in the Tennessee-Alabama game. What are your thoughts on officiating in general? You got to have them. Doesn't mean you got to like them. <laughs> Very true. Uh, it's, it's a, that's a touchy question for me, so I'll, I'll start that question as best I can. But uh, I will say this. I mean, being, being at home I, as a coach, I mean, yeah, I can see. I, I don't – I would not agree. I do not agree with that statement as for my personal experience, okay? Uh, now, I can see that being in a college atmosphere. It could happen that way. It feels like it seems like it, you know, but – you know, let's just be honest. You know, I mean, there, there's officials out there that, that, that are really, really grave officials that, hey, they just miss calls. You know, they miss a call and, and it goes against you. And it's happened to me as a coach, happened to my team, happened to my team 
last Friday night happened. It's happened happened a couple of times all year long, and, and it's frustrating, definitely frustrating. But you should never put yourself in that situation to allow official or a, a call of a ball game to go against you or to dictate the outcome of a ball game. Did you think the officiating played a small factor or a large factor in the Tennessee-Alabama game? Well, I think it's a small factor, but, you know, a lot of people will say, uh, you know, I'm trying to be a little bit more politically correct because of the field I'm in here. So I just want you to know that. Uh, but, I, I mean, my whole heart of belief is I don't think an official ever tries to screw somebody in a call. I don't think they do. I think it sometimes just happens that way. It feels that way because of the fans. And, and I think it just happens that way, right? Do I think officials miss calls? Yes, I do. I mean, they're all human just like we are. You know, I, I screw up on Friday nights just like y'all may mess up on the show. But I know Caleb, he doesn't ever mess up anything. So, you know what I mean? He, he, <laughs> Dave, on the other hand now, you know, <laughs> hey, we gotta, we're working with him here trying to make, make, make it out to be the best we can. It'll happen one one day. I'm going to peak in my 70s. I hear you. I understand. Me too. Me too. But I I don't think think officials truly do. I think it's just something that happens, and it's just the nature of the game and how it flows. You know what I mean? So. Well, yeah, and also I think sometimes people create conspiracies out of nothing when, like, you know, the, they'll try to say they had it out for Tennessee when Tennessee was already one of the most penalized teams in the SEC heading into the game. I see this in basketball all the time where they're like, how did our team have so many more fouls than the other team? I'm like, well, because your team fouled more than the other team. <laughs> that, is, that, is a, that is a true and correct statement because that's usually what happens. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> yes. I mean, I, I tell everybody all the time, I said, we're, we're probably one of the least penalized football teams in East Tennessee. Uh, but, I mean, it sure does feel like it sometimes that uh, – Boy, they just pile it up on your back, and you're like, "Hey, you can't get out of this." And it's 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 definitely a challenge. It definitely gets frustrating as the coach, you know, and as the fans, it gets frustrating. You know what I mean? But if you're committing the penalties, you you committed it, so there's a consequence to it. So hey, you got to pay the consequence. You know what I mean? But again, I think too, you know, the 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 calls that they make that they get right. 100% they should be abide by those, right? But I also think there should be some consequences for calls that they don't get right uh, or the miss. You know what I mean? Um, I'm graded on wins and losses, right? So my job is, is wins and losses as a football coach. And that's what in college football, that's what it's like. That's what it is. You know what I mean? Uh, officials should be graded. You know, they don't grade to a certain level. They should be. They should be held accountable for their actions. And, and just like us as coaches, we're held accountable for our actions. So, you know what I mean? Uh, you need to make sure that people are somehow held accountable for their actions as they play a part of the football game. Yep, completely agree. Spencer's uh, Spencer's appearance brought to you today by Herald Group Security Solutions, leadership experience specialization, addressing problems through unique mission-specific mitigation techniques. These are highly trained individuals that can make schools safer working with private schools. Now want to get into public schools. So just go to your school administrator. You want your children to be safer at school and mention Herald Group Security Solutions. They've already had a couple of calls and we're glad to hear that because let's keep our children safe at school. Again, Herald Group Security Solutions. Spencer, I had this thought last week and I know Nick Saban watches the show every day, so I didn't share it because I didn't want to undermine you know Tennessee's chances. I'm, sure but I'm looking. Yeah, he does. He's a big fan. 
Yeah, he oftentimes comments under um, mm-hmm. under t- under Tall Nick. Tall but Nick. Tall Nick. Yes, it's there's irony there. And he, he um, I thought, why is it? Why aren't teams loading up the box with the way that this running game is going, and still a questionable quarterback in Joe Milton? And I felt like Alabama didn't do that in the first half, but adjusted and loaded up the box in the second half. Did, did you see that, or am I on base at all? I mean, I, I think they did a lot better job of doing what they do. Um, I mean, Alabama, they're going to do what they do, you know what I mean, defensively, and they're not going to deviate from that. And, you know, they're going to have wrinkles and stuff for you each and every week. And do I think they uh, committed some more guys to the run? Yeah, I do, uh, because I thought that they thought their front and their box was better than Tennessee's offensive line. Uh, and that has been the case, you know, for the majority of the last 15 years. You know what I mean? Uh, but I thought I thought going into the ballgame, Tennessee had definitely – I thought they had an advantage or it was a push, advantage, slight advantage or a push that Tennessee was better in, 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 the, in their front. Yeah, Spencer, was there – so you thought it was more of a push than a schematic – issue because I, I thought Tennessee's issues running the ball was more just Alabama was selling out to stop those gaps in the middle. Well, yeah, I, that's what I meant. I mean, but like Alabama, I thought Tennessee had the advantage going into the game in their offensive line over Alabama's defensive front. That was my, my – what I want to make sure I get there. But, you know, I mean, I don't think that uh, – you know, when they outload you in the box and you're and you got – you're trying to block eight with six – it's kind of hard, you know, and you got in and, and you, they always try to have one more than what you do. And then with uh, <coughs> with uh, Joe Milton running the football, so now you have to count for him. So you got seven counting your O-line and your, your tight end, extra back, whatever you want to make it be, your, uh, whoever that may be. Uh, so they have to commit one more. So you got some one-on-one opportunities and you got to win those one-on-ones. You know what I mean? I don't think – I think we dropped some balls in the second half that cost us. You know what I mean? You know, you do have to complete some balls down the field uh, to, to, to loosen that defense back up, and, and we didn't do that. So, you know, it's either lack of execution or, or just just drops yep. or bad um, throw. I mean, it's one of the two things that happened. For a, a, a totally different scenario, you guys oftentimes, before that 98 game when you beat Florida – faced a situation that probably the two best teams were either in Neyland Stadium or in Gainesville um, to start the season in September. And then suddenly you need a lot of help to get involved back into a championship game. I thought sure. after I thought after the Florida loss this year, Tennessee could still work their way back into the college football playoff if they ran the table. Now they need a whole lot of help. What's that mindset like <laughs> when you when you go back to practice? Well, I mean, I, I'll just be honest with you. I didn't know if they would be a uh, playoff contending team at the start of the year. You know what I mean? And, and just there's a lot of questions that had to be answered. And there's still a lot of questions that's not been answered or they've been answered a little bit. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I just I, – I think they're sitting about where they need to be or where they should be. You know what I mean? Uh, I didn't. They needed to win. They needed to win one of the two uh, big rivalry games, Florida-Alabama. Had to, you know what I mean, to, to have that chance. And, you know what I mean, uh, I, that was a struggle. It was, you know, to, for me, I like to see us beat everybody, especially Alabama, Florida. I don't like neither one very much at all. Um, 
as a as a fan, you know what I mean? Um, so, you know what I mean? Where they sit and what the kids are going to do right now, hey, it's all about the choices they make. You know what I mean? It's about how much you love Tennessee. It's about how much you want to continue to build the program or are you just willing to say, hey, look, I'm done. I'm, I'm taking my talents to the NFL. You know, if, if you get kids that start doing that, and I get it, you know what I mean? But at the end of the day, some of these, ki- these kids are making more money now than they'll ever make in the NFL. So, yeah. you know what I mean? Sure. So they, be- they they better do their part and, and keep competing and, 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 and trying to go out and win football games on Saturdays. Yeah, I think Dante Thornton got a gold parachute retirement in college. Sorry, Caleb, go ahead. <laughs> Uh, Spencer, I want to <laughs> Spencer, I want to flip the field a little bit because we're talking about the Tennessee offensive line and the trenches. But I felt in the second half the defensive tackles weren't getting the same push they were getting in the first half. Do you think that had to do with the offense not being able to stay on the field as much more than anything else? Man, even when you don't stay on the field as as long, you know, in in, in the second half, uh, your defense can kind of get a little. Uh, Tired, you know. I mean, I don't say they got tired. I don't know. You know, what I mean, I'm not there day in and day out. So, I mean, I just thought they got bullied there in the second half a little bit. You know, what I mean, in 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 the middle, uh, I thought Alabama said, "Hey, look, we're we're better than you, and we're going to go out here and prove it." As as a former ball who keeps up with this program very closely, let me ask you a pretty simple question. Last year, things <laughs> broke right for Tennessee, with the exception of the uh, South Carolina game. George, I thought was just a better team. But when you, when you win eleven games, um, expectations get raised for the next season. Do you feel like this program is under Josh Heupel is on a good schedule to be a championship contender? Do you still feel that? Oh yeah, hundred percent. I do. I don't. I don't question that because you got to you got to think about this. You know I mean, and when I was at Tennessee and we won, we won two SEC titles and a national championship there, right? Uh, we played, there was max you could play 13 ball games. Am I right there, Dave? Is that right? The, if you played the SEC championship, yes, that is correct with a ball game, yes. With a ball game. So 13 ball games, right? Um, now, you know, we average winning 10 ball games a year. You know what I mean? That's impressive, right? It's hard to do. It's hard to do year in and year out, right? Um, I think they're out where they need to be. You win ten ball games. You win ten ball games in, in, in a college football in the in the SEC. That's a pretty productive year. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah everybody wants to compete and play for a, a SEC title and national championship. Guys, it's playing in professional football, playing in the SEC. Let's call it how it is. It's the best conference in the country. Period, hands down. They'll have the most draft. They'll have the most first round draft choices, more than likely. Uh, if I'm correct on that, is that what happened last year? If, I, if I'm, yeah, would they, believe pretty much happens every year. I think every year, Eagles, right? I think the Eagles are all former Georgia players, actually. So I mean, you know, uh, it's hard to it's hard to win when you play great teams day in and day out. You know, consistently, and, and sometimes you're going to win those games. Sometimes you're going to lose those games. You know what I mean? It's better to be lucky than good some days. You got to have the ball to bounce your way. You have to, yeah, you know, you got to do those things. And, 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 you know, 98, we had the ball bounce our way. Whoa, lights went off again, as always. Um, but, um, you know what I mean? So, you know what I mean? It, you you got to have some luck on your side. You know what I mean? Uh, it's better. And I tell our kids all the time, it's better to be lucky than good. Uh, you know, when you're good, it's got to, you got to have some luck to, to win a championship. 
Yeah, Spencer, uh, speaking of that, I, I, it's also – do you think it's a little underrated this year? You know, the SEC struggled out the gate in September more than they typically have in the past. There were a lot of non-conference losses, but they were breaking in a lot of new quarterbacks. Are you noticing this year? And I feel like Tennessee fits into this category. Does it seem like the SEC teams are getting a lot better as the year is going on? Where, like, if they played these out-of-conference games right now, they'd win. Alabama's figured out how to use Jalen Milrow. Tennessee's figured out, I think, how to use Joe Milton. And Jaden Daniels is turning into a Heisman candidate, honestly, at LSU. Man, and- this yeah, I do. You know what I mean? It's hard It's hard to simulate the, the game speed for quarterbacks in practice. You try, you do your best, and you, and you work at it, and you compete. You go out there and do those things day in and day out. And, you know what I mean, sometimes it clicks with them, and sometimes it just takes longer. I mean, in the SEC, they got talented quarterbacks. They got talented. They got talent across the board, man. I mean, um, they're just. It's just. It's fun to watch SEC football for sure. I'll tell you this too, um, and I'm guilty of it. I think that uh, thought it was just all offense. It was all scheme. Jalen Hyatt and Hendon Hooker, pretty darn good football players. They're talented now. Talented. You know, I'd like to apologize to all the fans out there in your listening land for spoiling y'all. You know, the guys in, in 98, those guys that we played with, we spoiled, we spoiled the, the town of Tip Knoxville. 100% we spoiled them rotten. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and that's where the standard comes from. And that's what we expect. And, 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 and you know what? And that's what you should expect. But, you know, what, what, what bothers me is some of these, some of the people out here in listener land, um, they have no clue what it takes. You know what I mean? They want to bash on kids. They want to bash on coaches. You know what I mean? Strap it up and play a little bit in the SEC. Promise you probably don't have the opportunity to do that. And probably wouldn't like what you felt like after the ball game was over with. Uh, you know what I mean? And that that that's just a personal gripe of mine. You know what I mean? And I, I don't care to share that. Uh, you know what I mean? I, I deal with it on a daily basis at my high school. Come on now. If you were that good, come on out and play with us. You know what I mean? Yeah. So – you know what I mean? I think Caleb. Don't and I, have, I think Caleb and I have some eligibility left, but uh, it wouldn't go well for either of us. Sure, right? You know what I mean? And hey, you guys do a great job, and you do a great show. Thank you know what I mean? It, it, it's and that was not a shot at you guys or anybody like that. You know what I mean? But I mean, that, that's for me and the in the average fan. You know what I mean? Yeah, you pay money to go watch Tennessee play, and you should expect a great product. You know what? You know what? That's somebody's kid. Amen. Amen. And I think now that they're getting paid, people are even more jaded because of it. Oh, yeah. 100% they are. Hey, you know what? They should be getting, we should be getting paid a long time ago. Amen. Amen. So I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell you a quick story along those lines. Uh, <laughs> after you won a national championship, uh, Philip Fulmer is getting the trophy. And uh, he, he told me the story. He said, uh, his we don't often quote Vicky Fulmer, but we're going to. Uh, that Vicky looked at him, his wife, and said, "Well, you've done it now because you're never going to do any better than this." Hundred percent. And the expectations were through the roof. Mm-hmm. They chased him around uh, for the rest of his career, even a good seasons like, oh, oh well, not a national title. And I think last year's expectations are are haunting uh, Josh Heupel to to some extent as well. Uh, Spencer, 
keep it up, man. So the playoffs start uh, playoffs start this week or no? We were in our last regular season game this week. Uh, it'll be it's actually our last uh, region game. Uh, we play William Blunt, and if we go do our job, and, and we'll end up undefeated in our region and uh, nine one overall. And you know what I mean? Uh, hanging out, getting some votes in the state, uh, top ten. So. I don't know what else we're going to have to do other than just win it all and then maybe get ranked at some point in time around there. So, I you know what I mean? I'll get that big hell, yeah. Just do that. So, I mean, our kids are playing hard. We're, we're competing and we're trying to get healthy as we go go get ready for the playoffs. And uh, looking forward to being out there and uh, competing for uh, hopefully the next six weeks. Yeah. What was uh, Jeff Cadding's record before you took over, the season before you took over? Man, you asked me. as like years ago. I couldn't tell you. Airport. I know we're I know we're thirty out of our last thirty one games we won we're twenty we're twenty one and, and, and ten. We're in our last thirty about thirty one ball games. So gotcha. So Spencer I mean, has- we, we change the turn the turn it around, turn the corner, turn the culture, see what happens and let's go have a good time in Dumpling Valley, man. If anybody wants to come watch a good fall, uh, football game, come on up and visit with us Friday night. Yeah. If you ever need a play by play guy, I've, I wanna dip my uh hand back in that again. So you keep me in mind. Anytime you want to come up, man, let's go. I'm sure you're already on the radio, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, I could probably make that happen. Uh, it's it's the most artistic thing, I believe, in the communications industry is calling a football game. I, it is like I, I would pay to do that. My wife would kill me, but I would pay to – I love it. I, I absolutely love it. Well, that's awesome, man. It's good. It's, it's a fun – and it takes a – it's a skill set. Uh, and look, I, I tell people, they go, "Hey, you do a great job interviewing." I said, "Guys, it's taken me a long time to get where I could do this." I mean, I did it every day. Uh, I'm calling bull. You were great from the get. Oh man, back I, in 1997. Uh, um, you know, I use uh, hum, yeah, you don't do. I mean, there's things that you're not supposed to do. They teach you not to do. And I've tried to learn not to do those things over the year and try to be a little bit more articulate instead of so uh, blunt and forthright. Spencer, you're the man. I'm going to uh, – I got, I got to get a book out to you. You're on my list. Uh, if people want to purchase the book, it's right down below, and you're a big part of that. You, you're actually the reason it came out a little bit later because you told me such a good story I had to stop and write another chapter. So That's okay. Good. It was, a, I'm glad. it was about that fight, that preseason fight. Well, that was just, no, I, I was like, better. The moment you said that, I was like, Dad, blame me. I got to stop <laughs> and redo this part. Uh, Spencer, I appreciate you, brother. Man, I appreciate you guys. Caleb, we all be good. <laughs> Take care of him. I know it's a hard deal. (laughs) (laughs) Do my best. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Have a great week. See you. Have a good one, Spencer. Caleb pretty much takes care of me from uh, 9 to 5, and then the missus takes over at 5.05 and gets me to the next morning. That's pretty much how it works out. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. 
You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This one surprises me. And Caleb, you're more of a gambler than I am. And this is brought to you by our friends at Zen Sports. But the line for the Kentucky game, I got to give that a bit. What the H? What the? What was he thinking? Release the hounds. The Dave Hooker Show. Keep cool. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. Zen Sports, the new sportsbook in Tennessee. Wait till you see what the line is. Revolutionizing the way you earn sports betting rewards. That means no more deposit bonuses that turn into deposit nightmares. On Zen Sports, what you see is what you get. With their cash rewards program, you get a lot of cash for a welcome bonus. Earn an unlimited 5% cash back on your betting volume for your first 15 days when you sign up with promo code HOOKED. It's HOOKED. That's right. Unlimited 5% cash back. Keep betting. Keep earning with up to 3% cash back on your betting volume every month after that. Please sign up and use the promo code HOOK to refer friends to earn a percentage of their betting volume as cash rewards, too. Zen Sports bringing the cash back to Tennessee. So if you bet big on sports, you want to be betting on Zen Sports. Zen Sports betting just got better. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-889-9789. Must be 21 or over and in Tennessee to bet. How's Tennessee in some places a four and a half point favorite at Kentucky? Well, I was actually shocked by this, but from a different perspective than you. Okay. I thought it'd be closer to seven to eight points, if I'm being honest, for Tennessee. And now that to be fair, they're giving Kentucky, I think, three points because of the line. But and I know there's issues, but I think Tennessee actually showed odds makers a lot last weekend. Look, that second half, we can talk about it all day. And there were things Tennessee didn't do right, but we know Alabama is just a better team in the trenches. And Tennessee had, you know, a succession of bad things happen to them that isn't average in a game. You're not really necessarily going to see that at Kentucky. And so I think what they're seeing is okay, what I saw from Tennessee last weekend, two big issues. Tennessee, Joe Milton can be effective throwing the ball when he's dared to, if he runs with it and opens up the offense a little bit and stretches the defense. And the whole road narrative that didn't manifest itself on Saturday. There weren't pre-snap penalty mistakes on the road in Saturday's game. And I think a lot of people, I think odds makers saw that. I see that. And I'm like, why is it three and a half, four and a half and not seven and eight? Because Kentucky's looked bad the last two games they've played. Yeah. They've, they've lost both games. Uh, Travis says Kentucky is Kentucky history. Say we sit them back to the coal mines cried. That reminds me of one of the better basketball players on my high school team. And uh, he was struggling at the time. Most athletic guy I've ever seen. He goes, well, if it doesn't work out in basketball in high school, I can just go back to Kentucky and work the coal mine. Like, ooh, that doesn't, <laughs> doesn't sound like any fun at all. Uh, I mean, back in the day, coal mine, you know, they were unionized jobs. They pensions, benefits, took care of your family. Yeah. You know. that, that man loved him some skull. I uh, hope he's doing well now. Um, the, I guess, I, I mean, to me, this is a coin flip game. And I say that. And maybe I'm factoring in the uh, mentality of it a little bit too much. This Tennessee football team, and Spencer was right, they weren't ready to play for a championship this year, but they sure thought they were, right? And now you have, you don't have that to play for. So I could easily see Tennessee showing up flat. Um, I, I It's funny that you think it should have been higher and I think it should have been lower. Caleb is the guy you should listen to in gambling. There's no question about that. But uh, it's it's a total coin flip. This is one of those games that if, if, if you gave me the whole list of spreads, I wouldn't touch with my money. 
it, for anything. No, no, I would not touch that with my money. I'm curious. You'll make a pick, I know, but would you would you touch this one or is it scary on no, both sides? I'm staying away from this too. I would not tell anybody to touch this one. Um, particularly with now we don't know what to expect. Tennessee has turned into Alabama in this way. Alabama's been impossible to gamble on this year because they played so differently in every game. And Tennessee has now fit that mold because of how they played last Saturday. You don't know what Tennessee you're going to get. You don't know if they're going to be the run team to beat Texas A&M or if they're going to be Joe Milton airing it out. And I think that that makes things very difficult. There's three things working against Tennessee. One, the questions about them on the road. Two, Kentucky coming off a bye. Three, and you and I have talked about it, Dave, this team playing at night. However, I think Kentucky practices early in the morning too. So I think that'll actually help Tennessee in this one. And so this is going to be tricky to figure out. I will say a lot is riding on this game. I don't know if you know, Tennessee fell just for just to get this out of the way. They fell four spots to number 21 in the AP poll and five spots to number 20 in the coaches poll. Uh, see, there is, the two lost teams ahead of them right now are Notre Dame, LSU, and then Duke in the AP poll. Funny enough. But I, I guess that's because, again, they're giving Duke credit for beating Clemson, but Clemson's not looking good, which we're going to address later. So I, I, I don't see how you could say Duke's ahead of Tennessee right now. But, yeah, I think that Vegas is a little bit higher on the Vols. I think if you're doing a futures odd, Dave, this is because there's at Kentucky, at Missouri, and Georgia at home. What would your guess be the record of those three games? Ask me that question again. Kentucky, Missouri, and Georgia. I'm setting the over under for wins at 1.5. Well, yeah. Um, I I think they'll win two of those three games. You so you think they go two and you think they go two and one in those three games? Uh yeah, I still think they beat Kentucky. It's just not a number I would touch. If they um, beat Kentucky, and this is a big deal, we have to point this out. If they beat Kentucky, then at that point we're talking um, eight and four is a minimum for this for this season, which is not a bad transition season. Nine and three is still on the table too. Well, wait a second, eight and four, just okay. Transition year. Transition no. year. No. I, th- I I I this No, no, I, I, I I'm gonna have to disagree with you on that. This this is a nine win football team. Well, they could it, still win nine games if they win their bowl. Well, no, I'm talking about nine regular season. You, we, you and I never... both know that we don't know the uh, the bowl scenario. Does the other team want to be there? I never count those. This should be a nine win regular season football team. Period. Tennessee has won nine regular season games once since 2007, and that was last year. Okay, we're forgetting where this program has been and how bad the program was. For a long time. Caleb, this is Josh Heupel's third year. It's a trend. Yes, but he lost a lot of talent that Jeremy Pruitt brought in. He was a he had a very thin roster. Okay, then where does it go next year when he's when it's all his players? Are you telling I me that uh, Pruitt's players got Tennessee to ten wins and it wasn't I Heupel's I, offense? I, I, how about let this? me ask you that? Actually, let me ask you that. What percentage of Tennessee getting? to 10 wins in the regular season last year was Pruitt's players versus Josh Heupel's coaching and his offensive scheme. I would still say it was Heupel's coaching. I would still say it was Heupel's coaching, but Pruitt's 70, players 30, had a 70-30? Yeah, I'll, go, I'll guess that's a good one, 70-30. I'd go 70-30. Well, if it's 70-30 let, and he's that good of a coach, they should win nine games this year. Let's also bring this up. Let's go to history real quick. And I just want to bring this up historically. 
Different scenarios, I know, took over a totally different program. Dave, 93, Philip Fulmer's first job. I mean, first full-time season as head coach, right? 93, after the whole mm-hmm. 92 debacle. Fulmer goes 10-2, top 10 team, a historically great offense with Heath Schuler. What happens in 94 when Fulmer has has to replace a lot of talent? It's his second year. He's technically an ascendant coach, but what did he do? He had a drop-off because he had a lot of young talent, and they went 8-4. and four. But Tennessee went eight and four, but you were okay with them going eight and four because you're thinking, okay, they're eight and four, but you got a future with Peyton Manning at quarterback and a bunch of great talent from the 94 class. So I think this team is kind of like the 94 team. Okay. I I see that Um, on the message board, Mr. Jones says hooker with this defense, we would be national champs this year. Uh, I don't know about that, but I would say, I would say hooker and Hyatt. You got it. You're, you're in. You're in. You're in the ball game. I'm still not so sure. Look, I said this with Florida. I'm not so sure Tennessee beats Alabama on Saturday if Hendon Hooker's in that. If Hendon Hooker's quarterback instead of Joe Milton, I, I'm really not. I I think again Tennessee well, lost in the Florida. I think they beat. They Florida. definitely would beat. They would definitely beat Florida. At which point, eleven and one is still on the table because there's no shame in losing at Alabama. But I keep hearing this this past weekend that they would beat Alabama with Hooker. I don't think they do. Because Tennessee lost that game because they lost in the trenches. It wasn't because of Joe Milton. They lost in the trenches. And by the way, that's how they beat Alabama last year. For all the hooker to Jalen Hyatt passes you saw last year against Alabama, Tennessee won because they manhandled Alabama on the line of scrimmage. And the only reason it was a close game is because Alabama had this guy named Bryce Young, a generational talent at quarterback who I would I would have traded 10 draft picks to get Bryce Young in the NFL last year. I want to take a second to go to our message board and, and you tell me, and you, you can also comment on Twitter if you're watching that way and we'll be sure and check that. But I want to get a couple of people to tell me uh, is eight and four a disappointment? Cause I believe firmly it is. Um, so I, go ahead and tell me what you think. Uh, eight and four. I think this should be a nine win football team, especially we haven't discussed this, but let's factor in the SEC's down, right? It's not as I'm I'll get to this in the next segment with the power rankings, but I will say it's not as down as I thought. I think that SEC was, I think the quarterback changes are why the SEC struggled so early in the year. And I think that that's, it fuels your argument for the 12 team playoff because teams are bringing in new quarterbacks and need to learn things at the beginning of the year. And I think the, this is not the same Alabama team that lost to Texas. Let's just call that what it is. This Alabama, they figured out how to use Jalen Milrow. And LSU, I think they would beat Florida State if they played him again. Jaden Daniels looks like the best quarterback in college football right now. Oh, and I, I think it, I, I agree with that. Uh, there's not a lot of great quarterback play uh, right now. So my question is, would you be okay with Vols winning just eight games this season in the regular season? Uh, and you say that that's, that's okay. That's, that's a good thing. I think it's just below what you wanted. I think you wanted nine and three or 10 and two, but I don't think it's a panic like seven and five or six and six would have done. I don't think it's something that makes you worry. Like for um, instance, in 20, 2016, when Tennessee went eight and four, Josh Dobbs, senior year, that's when you worried about Butch Jones. Cause they were supposed to win the East that year. And they went eight and four. I don't think that that's this. I don't think it's the same as going eight and four. Like they did in 2016. Here's what our message board says. Green Wave, 8-4 and four is a slight disappointment, though it is basically what we should have been expecting preseason. We had too much hype coming off the Orange Bowl. Truth to that. Yes. Travis says 8-4 and four is a disappointment. 9-3 and three is good. 10-2 and two is exceptional. That's where I am, Travis. 
Orange Blood said eight and four is C minus. I agree. I think that's below average. Um, there we go. Charles though agrees with Caleb that this is a how about this? transition year. Nine Charles, and three is no, I'm kidding. Nine and three is par. Eight and four is bogey. But it's not a double bogey. Okay, it's just a bogey. Okay, are you 100 percent sure this this team is going to avoid a double bogey? I mean, you would. That 100%. they would have to lose to they would have to lose to Kentucky, Missouri, and Georgia. They got to beat one of those teams. They're going to beat one of those teams, right? Yes. And this talk uh, that I was a big part of in the summer, uh, if Nico is the quarterback, yes. If not, no. Um, there's a real argument to be made, and I'm going to go back and kind of contradict myself that it would have taken Nico every bit as long to adjust to the college game as it has Joe Milton, which it has because he really hasn't played that much, even though, and I made this point earlier, he's that much older. Uh, I think Nico could have had some very similar struggles. Caleb, the one thing that I will continue to say that I've been told from within the program several times is that he's darn ready and he's darn accurate and darn accurate might be the difference in a game or two. Now, do I like Nico behind Ollie Lane in Gainesville? No. Do I like Nico having to run a, um, a one-sided offense because they can't run the ball in Tuscaloosa? No. And I, I But I don't think that you can guarantee. See, if I would have, if I would have either had a real quarterback competition and if Nico wins it, he wins it, or I would have gotten him some real playing time. The UTSA game is the one I pointed to and see where things are. At this point, though, it feels like Joe Milton's kind of got his sea legs, right? Yeah, this is Joe Milton's. Like, this is his team, and it's the rest of the year for him. And there's not going to be a moment where you bench him, where you say the season's lost because we can't do this, because it's Kentucky, then it's UConn. And if they don't play him against UConn, they, okay, put it this way. If Tennessee loses to Kentucky because Milton plays poorly, and you don't play Nico against UConn, then you're not putting Nico in the rest of the year. David says, get Mays to stay with some serious NIL money. Well, I'm doing my part. Um, and I'm not, I'm not sure, so sure that won't happen, by the way. That he could stay? Well, I, I, yeah. I've talked to him about it. I mean, I, I don't mind sharing. It wasn't an off-the-record uh, uh, conversation. You know, the plan was for him to go the whole time. Now, he didn't know that he was going to have the hernia issue, and the plan was for him to go. The plan was for Jacob Warren to go last year um and he or after last year so yeah i think if cooper mays looks at his draft grade and it says the four to seven range which is a huge variance um and injuries are going to be an issue with coop even though there's nothing any of us can do about a hernia okay as a matter of fact it means you're working really hard but he had injury issues two years ago so that's going to be a factor i think if he sees a, a draft grade of four to seven and he thinks that he could help himself. Yeah, I think there's a chance he stays. If you if you held me down to a percentage, I think he's seventy percent gone. But we've got a lot of football left to play. Yeah, exactly. And also, Cooper Mays, knowing what he knows now, could focus next year on just staying healthy, so he could actually himself choose to get a surgery if he needs to in the summer. And or you know, he'll probably go a little light in spring to try to get fully healthy. You know, this day and then conditioning and things like that. I think Cooper will make sure he makes sure that that his body is because a hernia, anything like that, that's like a wear and tear injury, right? It's not a freak accident. That's a wear and tear on what you're doing and you hurt it, right? It's usually it's like kind a of a strain. Fracture. It's kind of a strain thing. 
Um, yeah. And Coop works incredibly hard in, in the weight room. You want, hey, just go ahead and factor this under coaching. Why was that not diagnosed in April? And the surgery was in April. I mean, th- these guys have some of the best medical professionals in the world. You don't just pop a hernia in the middle of camp. As a matter of fact, you're lifting less. Yeah, a hernia is literally the, it's like a stress fracture. It only comes because you've been putting pressure on something for a long time. It's not a freak accident where you broke your leg turning one way. Okay, isn't that part of coaching then? Yeah, no, I I think that's a big part of coaching. And I think that I thought from the start that Josh Heupel was desperate because he knew he had issues at center and he didn't want to open up any possibility that Cooper Mays couldn't go. And So So what was the mindset that Cooper Mays makes it through? with a significant hernia injury and then that hurts his draft stock if that's the mindset i don't like anything about that i think hypo was trying to convince himself that cooper mays was healthy well then we're talking okay but that that goes i I, look it was a mistake it was a bad issue yeah it was a bad mistake also i think he wanted to make sure milton was brought along in camp and he wanted to see what milton can do with cooper may snapping for him but look i think this was a big issue and i got a lot of look that's talent evaluation and being on top of the medical staff are two issues with hypo right now that are not good long-term issues if you're Tennessee. Okay, let me let me ask you this. Not having a quarterback ready, not being on top of an injury that could have been addressed, uh, I was told, not by Cooper, but could have been addressed earlier in the summer. Those sorts of things are head coach weight material that you should be able to handle. And Josh Heupel to me as an offensive coordinator that is still growing as a head coach. So Tennessee doesn't lose to Florida if Cooper Mays is healthy and in there. So, I mean, you have to put that one on Hypo, right? No, I totally agree. I, I totally agree on that one. That one goes on Hypo. Well, i say what, Sports Treasures, carrying over 5 million sports treasures and so much more. Follow on Facebook for the best sports memorabilia daily updates. So go to Facebook, go to Sports Treasures TN, Sports Treasures TN, and that's on Facebook, and get those updates because they got great stuff coming in about the balls and other uh, other sports memorabilia as well. Sports Treasures in North Knoxville, you'll love them. And, okay, one thing that's been addressed a couple of times on the message board how much of Tennessee's struggles, if at all, are Alex Golish leaving for South Florida? None. None. It's a change in personnel. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. So I was just curious where you stood on that. Um, I think it's a change of personnel. I think whoever is the offensive coordinator, whether his name's Halsley or Golish, I think you're talking about a guy that is, is essentially running what Josh Heupel wants him to run the same way that Nick Saban over the years, his defense has been what it, he wanted it to be. I don't think they're having major say. I think they have input. Two minutes and coming up, we're going to have our SEC power rankings. Where do the balls fit now? And uh, maybe not as low as you think because, again, losing to Alabama, the way it happened is frustrating, but losing to Alabama in Tuscaloosa is not the end of the world. Your comments and our power rankings up next. Stay tuned off those words. Got cataracts. We can fix that. Never miss another moment. With a little help from Drs. Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn at cctis.com. 
Hi, I'm Rick Terry, and we at Rick Terry Jewelry Designs pride ourselves in the highest quality craftsmanship from a family-owned business here in Knoxville for over 35 years. At Rick Terry Jewelry Designs, we also take pride in being an affordable option for all your game day accessories, especially those fire opals. At Rick Terry Jewelry Designs, we want to be your jeweler every day and especially on game day. Go Vols! Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. These mountains hold and defend a spirit far better than moonshine. A drink that holds flavor that becomes necessity. A hard cider made and relished by folk who are as hearty as they are legend. A refreshment that can only be found in one place. With a taste that makes you say, give me three bottles of the good stuff. Tennessee Cider Company, where necessity can be found. Um, who's this guy? Hello, wizard. The Dave Hooker Show. Ooh. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. What? YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. Back to Dave Hooker. Green Wave says that the thing befuddling many of the fans is how Milton just isn't the guy he was back in January. I promise if he could run the offense like Hooker, CJH, uh, Coach Josh Heupel would dial that up. I agree with that pretty much knows that it's he can't run it at the same level, right? Yeah, he can't run it at the same level, and this shouldn't be baffling. If you've watched college football long enough, guys, bowl games, I said for a long time, you throw them out the window if they're exhibitions. It's a – one, even if they're not exhibitions, even if they're like actual playoff or national championship games, it is such a long layoff, Dave. You're off for a month or a month and a half. Plus, you got teams that don't really care. Plus, you have opt-outs. I've been on the soapbox for years that bowl games should never be read into. That 98 National Championship game Tennessee won, that was not the same Tennessee team that went undefeated during the regular season. That was an ugly football game. And uh. so, you know, it's I never liked it, – it, it, it fuels your argument for the college football playoff because the worst part about bowl games historically has always been the fact that you're not getting the same teams because they're off for a month. No. I agree. Let's get to SEC power rankings right now. And it's part of four downs, four downs brought to you by our friends at Tennessee cider company. Four downs is now four downs, four questions, four answers. The Dave hooker show four, four. four. downs, a presentation of off the hook sports.com. All right, let's get to the power rankings and uh, explain again for those that are new to the program. Be sure to hit that like and subscribe button if you haven't already because great stuff with uh, the Celebrate 98 series. Jamal Lewis coming up this week. And also, uh, you will be able to uh, hear from Cooper Mays and Jacob Warren. And don't forget, you can order the Celebrate 98 book, the untold stories behind Tennessee's 1998 national championship uh, just below all of our sponsors are below so support them 
whether you need some HVAC, some uh, Rick Terry jewelry design, uh, all of that, and there while we're here. As for Tennessee Cider Company, the original hard cider of the Smoky Mountains, use the promo code HAT, that's HAT, to get some free swag, and you can order that fantastic cider almost anywhere in the United States. So Cooper takes us through this, and Cooper first, what should people do if they like the program? Cooper Mays here. Hit like and subscribe. Yeah, that's what they're going to do. What down, Coop? Coop here. First down. Biggest jump on your SEC power rankings. Caleb, oh, who made the biggest one? move? You want me to give a refresher on what power rankings are real quick, though? Like you said? Oh, yeah. Give me a, give me a, give me yeah. a refresher. Just so people remember, if you're new to the show, these are not rankings. Power rankings are how you're playing at the moment. It's not how I would rank you if I were doing a college football playoff ranking. The biggest example of this is at the end of the 2012 season when Alabama was number two to go to the national title, I would have made them number two but it would have had Texas A&M ahead of them in the power rankings because Texas A&M beat them with Johnny Manziel. Power rankings are not rankings. Let's be clear on that. So they're how you're playing at the time. So who had the biggest jump you asked was first down? Yep. Yep. The biggest jump was actually, believe it or not, Auburn. And it was in a loss. Um, I thought Auburn put up a fight against Ole Miss. I predicted they would put up a fight against Ole Miss. And there wasn't a lot of movement in this week's SEC power rankings. So I moved Auburn from 10 to number eight. And so that's the biggest jump, uh, the biggest drop in the power rankings. Uh, It's a tie. Both Florida and Kentucky dropped. A little unfair. Neither of them played. But because I moved Auburn up, I had to drop them. Like I said, Dave, there was not much movement this week. Everything we expected to happen kind of did happen. Um, The only thing I didn't expect to happen, I did not expect Mississippi State to beat Arkansas, but I already had Mississippi State ahead of Arkansas in my power rankings. I just thought playing at home, Arkansas would win. And they didn't. So Mississippi State remains ahead of them. Okay. Now it's kind of my turn a little bit. All right. So uh, what down is it, Cooper? Tennessee center Cooper Mays here. Third down. All right. Who is the most overrated team? And and keep this in mind. I'm not knocking your work here. I'm just saying that uh, eventually they they won't be uh, the third, fourth, fifth, whatever best team in the SEC. Uh, so right now, I think Ole Miss is overrated. I don't think the way they're playing, you're absolutely right. But I don't think at the end of the year, they will be looked at as the third best team in the SECU. No, I don't either. But I think there's two candidates that can compete with Ole Miss. I think they're more likely to. Okay. I think they won't have as far of a drop off from number three as Texas A&M is going to have from number seven. Because I think by the end of the year, we're going to be talking about Texas A&M competing with Vanderbilt for playing the worst in the SEC. Because I think this is where the wheels come off the program. And that's a big prediction. And the other one that could happen, I know they're chugging along, and I know we keep waiting for them to slip up. But I just can't bring myself to believe that Missouri is going to stay at number five. They have a bye, and then right after the bye, they got at Georgia and then Tennessee at home. I mean, they could easily lose both of those games and, you know, they still have Arkansas on the road and this is the type of team you could see them stumble against Arkansas. So you could. And now fourth down Coop. All SEC center Cooper Mays here. Fourth down. The most underrated, I think is Tennessee. When I, when I look at this football team, uh, I think they're, and and this is how they're playing now. And and I got that. And they're coming off a loss. I think they're better than Missouri. I think they're better than Ole Miss. And I think it's a coin flip uh, concerning LSU, which you and I were both very high on in the summer. So uh, because of the way Joe Milton played, this is my argument. 
and the way he could play in the future if he continues to do so, I think Tennessee is the third or fourth best team in the SEC. I can't tell if you're smiling because you agree with me or you think I'm an absolute idiot. No, it's just because you named somebody that I'm going to name and my bias is going to show again. Travis, get ready to come down on me because the most underrated team for me is LSU at number four. LSU was low-key, guys, a potential two-loss college football playoff contender. They are balling. They now have a bye, and then they have Alabama, and I'm not so sure LSU loses to Alabama in two weeks in Tuscaloosa. Travis says, my goodness, here comes the two-loss LSU love. He called it out before you even got it out. (laughs) Mr. Jones says, LS who? Let's be real clear. Caleb has no ties. He's not a realtor in Baton Rouge. He has like that official is supposed to be. Um, He has no ties to LSU. You just think that Brian Kelly is a good coach. I think Brian Kelly is a good coach. And I think Brian Kelly made the mistake John Chavis made in 97, which was trying to make force Harold Perkins into middle linebacker. And I think that cost LSU's defense in two games this year. And I, I, you know, sometimes we'll have John on for our football IQ segment tomorrow. Sometimes coaches make that are, that I think are smart still make bafflingly stupid decisions sometimes, which I guess all humans do. We all, if we were coaches, even though I think we're smarter than the average coach, Dave, you could be guilty of a really dumb decision every now and then. Right. Like Um, just every other day. Yeah, exactly. So, and it, that one was bafflingly stupid, but LSU's offense guys look again, Jaden Daniels is, he may be the best quarterback in college football right now. And, you know, and I'm going to get to that in a minute, but like, yeah, I think that LSU, they're the best two loss team. They're not out of it. Did I mean, and I know it's army, it's army, but 62 to nothing against army is still pretty good. I love Travis Uh, Calhoun C A L H E U X N going a little Cajun. Or me. And Caleb, yeah. And Caleb is the mascot. LOL. Gotta love that. Travis also says LSU will lose two more and they will go eight and four next year, too. Boom. Boy, it's hard to go. It's, if you're if you're any sort of coach, it's hard to go eight and four consistently year after year at LSU. That talent is so good and so tied to the state. Uh that would uh that you would have to work at it to not like play for an SEC title almost every three years at LSU. I mean, even during the Nick Saban dynasty, Les Miles won the SEC title in 2011. And if it wasn't for that fluke Oklahoma State-Iowa State game that Friday night that got Alabama to the rematch with LSU, LSU under Les Miles, who was one of the worst coaches ever, wins two national titles. By the way, I keep bringing this up. Alabama got into that game because Les Miles voted Alabama number two. I don't know how unintelligent you have to be to vote for a rematch with Alabama when you have the potential to stop that and want to play Oklahoma State. Dave, if you're less miles than that, are you using your objective analysis on who's number two? You're like, no, I'm voting for Oklahoma State because I'd rather play them. Probably that. Um, yeah. Apex Apparel Group, design, brand, market, your way, unique products to promote your business with unparalleled customer service, apexapparelgroup.com. And also, I want to remind everybody, this stuff is so cool, and it's close to the holiday season. So what would be better than a book and a product from TriStar? And when you look at TriStar, they have the official uh, Tennessee State emblem on it for the Tennessee State flag. Just go to TriStarHatsCo.com, TriStarHatsCo.com. They've got a 
really uh, cool smoky looking hat. So go ahead and get on board and use the promo code hooked and you'll get 10% off the promo code hooked and you'll get 10% off. And here we go. People just ripping Caleb. Brian Kelly is overrated. Mm, we'll see. We'll see. I don't, I don't think so. I think getting Notre Dame without being able to skirt some academic issues and discipline issues like you can in other schools was uh, pretty impressive. So uh, week eight recap, uh, your thoughts on what happened over the weekend. Uh, Texas, Oklahoma, Oregon, Washington, all nearly fall. Is is there an elite program, not just in the SEC, but in the nation this year? Well, I can't say there is. And this is where me and Dave would totally disagree because, because there's not an elite program. This is where I want the old BCS. I think this is where it's at its best. When you have a bunch of teams on even playing field and you don't know who's going to be in the top two, this is everybody's like, this would be their best year for the 12 team playoff. No, it wouldn't. This would be the best year for the two team playoff because you know how much chaos would be in the regular season with the two team playoff right now. I like the chaos, Dave. I'm sorry. As I'm like the Joker, I'm an agent of chaos. And you want to see the world burn. I told you four, I told you four weeks ago, Michigan's the best team in the nation. And you got number two, Michigan, the only contender not to struggle. Michigan's the best team in the nation right now. I, I think they might be. I also still would barely have them in my top 10 because they haven't beaten a team with the pulse yet. And also they beat a team on Saturday that thought a Hitler trivia question would be a good idea at a game. Who saw saw that? that. How stupid was that? A big picture of Hitler on the Jumbotron. <laughs> I mean, I yeah. To me, the trivia itself is not bad. It's like, it is a trick question. Like, where was Hitler born? Because everybody would say Germany. You know, he was actually born in Austria, but he was a German nationalist. So he believed that Austria was part of Germany. The same with Stalin. He wasn't born in Russia. He was born in Georgia, not the state, the country. For all of you SEC guys out there, he was born in the country. But Stalin thought that Georgia should be a part of Russia. So nice trivia. But yeah, maybe don't have a full-on picture of Hitler taking up the whole scoreboard when you're doing that. Yep. Um, and then can you pull that up, by the way? Are you able to pull that up while we can continue the conversation? Because it is absolutely the most absurd picture. It's almost like it was photoshopped or doctored. Uh, number three, you got North Carolina suffers college football upset of the year. Uh, the Tar Hills have been uh, good for one bad upset a year. Isn't that just depth, though, at the end of the day? I mean, they lose to Virginia 31-27, to and that's a surprise. Virginia is not very good, but that, to me, speaks to depth, um, and it's tough to get real depth at a program like North Carolina, like they would have at Alabama or Georgia. So somebody gets uh, tweaked, somebody has a bad game, who steps in for him? Uh, USC is done. Lincoln Riley in trouble. Uh, Lincoln Riley's Trojans lost their second straight game and their third to the Utah Utes since uh, he and Caleb Williams uh, headed out west. Now with two losses, they are all but done in the college football playoff race. And I'll tell you something else uh, that a a scout told me, and you may have heard this reported elsewhere. I forgot to get to it uh, last year. Lincoln Riley has reached out to NFL teams. He has said he just wants to coach till he's 50, and I believe he's in his uh, early to mid-40s. So you might want to take that shot at the NFL, and he might be able to package himself with Caleb Williams, which you couldn't do before because you don't know when he's going to get drafted. But Caleb Williams is, I'm sure, making great NIL money in L.A., 
So he could say, you know, I'm going to pass on the draft. I'm going to come back or I'm going to sit out a year and get drafted by somebody that will hire Lincoln Riley. I, that sounds insane how they could manipulate the system, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if that happened. I wouldn't, but Dave, I think like Caleb Williams two weeks ago was all like, well, no, two weeks ago, he's like, I may not go into the draft if the team I don't like is not picking number one. Then after he loses to Notre Dame, after, by the way, not before, after he comes out and says, I'm not going to be drafted by a team unless I can get ownership stake in them. And I'm like, what leverage do you think you have, bro? And then he comes out and loses to Utah. So Caleb Williams may not have this type of leverage that he thought he had coming out. This isn't a John Elway prospect or an Andrew Luck prospect coming out that is like the best prospect in a generation. This is a guy who won the Heisman last year in a system that has produced three Heisman winners. He's as good as Eli Manning coming out. Eli Manning manipulated the system. He's not as good as Eli Manning coming out. You don't think so? He's not That's surprising me. Okay. Eli Manning single-handedly had Ole Miss a play away from winning the West in 2003 when they had no talent around them whatsoever. Okay. Uh, I, I think he's every bit the NFL prospect that Eli Manning is. Um, One, he hold here's, and I said this for a while, he holds the ball too long trying to make a play, and Lincoln Riley runs the wide splits offense that Josh Heupel runs. It's not going to translate to the NFL. David says Heupel and Milton are, are going to do the same <laughs> thing. Yeah, I, I I don't want to be too mean, but I think an NFL team would be like, we'll hire you if you promise you won't bring Joe Milton. Is that too mean? Did I get well, catty? I mean, as Josh Ward pointed out, Jared Garantano has NFL money in his pocket, so, you know. Mm, and this. Uh, you have, if you're watching on YouTube, we highly suggest that you subscribe there where you can see at LSU, they show a big picture. Michigan of, State, not LSU. Let's be fair to LSU. Michigan, Michigan State, State, Michigan State, sorry. Where you show a big picture of uh, Hitler uh, in front of your entire crowd <laughs> because of a trivia question. <laughs> Why would you even have, and this was a third-party company, and this was a third-party company who they outsourced to do this. But why would Hitler even be the answer to any trivia question? Why would you even go there? Why wouldn't you err on the side of being extra safe? Well, because you're trying to play a trick question. It, it's an e- it's a very fun, and I knew it because I've I've played trivia nights, so I've been asked questions of like, where was Hitler born? Where was Stalin born? Where was Andrew Jackson born? Because everybody thinks Tennessee, but he was actually born in North Carolina. It's a fun trivia question when it's a trick question where you think somebody was born into some place because they represent a place, but they were born somewhere else, and Everybody would think Germany. So I get the idea of a trivia question, but don't have a freaking like mural of Hitler take up your whole scoreboard. I mean, I Dave, that looks like he's about to address the crowd at Michigan State. It looks it like he's does. still alive. <laughs> yeah. It looks like, hi, hi, hi. You know, and you're like, what, is, what in the world is Hitler doing up there? Um, oh, man. Travis is telling me he's going to unsubscribe after that last Milton comment. I'm in it in jest. You know, Wait. I love you, Travis. You're, you're, Travis is part of the original posse, so you can't go anywhere. Also, Dave, you know, we it's funny we bring up Hitler references when um, you got to cover Derek, Derek Dooley when, remember. It's funny uh, the, we're bringing up Hitler references. Yeah. But I, remember Derek Dooley? Uh, we're like the Germans at D-Day. Yeah, I'm the one that asked that. <laughs> Ask that question that got him going with the big binoculars. With the binoculars? Like, yeah. wait, so you're saying that uh, the Tennessee is like the the bad guys who lost World War II? That's who Tennessee is. That that's the analogy you want to use? Like, I, 
I still remember the uh, locker room saying opportunities now and here, but it read like opportunity is <laughs> nowhere. nowhere. Uh, uh, more recaps. Our- Alabama FSU deserve break for struggle narrative. Why? Yes, they're two of the teams that struggled, but they shouldn't be ashamed of struggling. Alabama played a ranked team at home in Tennessee, I don't, and they covered the spread. So what did they struggled within the first half? And Florida State played Duke in 130-20, to 20, trailed 10-7 to 7 in the first quarter. Look, Duke, what everything in talent-wise, Duke has, I'm going to say it, I'm saying it right now, Duke has the best coach in college football. I'd hire Mike Elko over any coach right now. I would open my checkbook for him. He wow. is, I've said this for a long time. Coaches should be people who do who are ball guys who knows ball who know ball, but then have like Ivy League intelligence. That's literally Mike Elko. He's a ball guy who graduated from an Ivy League school. That's going to be the trend in football in the future, Dave. Book it. People are going to figure that out. Are you telling me that Eli Drinkwitz couldn't have graduated from an Ivy League school? Because I am. <laughs> Ohio State keeps winning ugly. Uh, I think Ohio State's like a better version of Tennessee right now. They have more talent, but their quarterback plays been eh. Uh, Clemson's elite college football run ends. I bl- I thought this before the before the season started. You've got number nine Arkansas pulls the first firing trigger of an assistant. Well, we all like Sam Pittman, especially uh, some people because he'll talk to anybody. We could have Sam Pittman probably on the program tomorrow. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's not an exciting way to win and it's a hard place to win. Um, and running the football is boring nowadays. Uh, so you sell less tickets and that shouldn't matter. But I sometimes think that an AD Caleb, tell me if I'm crazy, would rather have a Josh Heupel type offense that would win 10 games as opposed to a, uh, a Sam Pittman offense that would win 11. I think there's something to be said for it's a show. I mean, ultimately, college football is a show. You think that's a crazy statement? I th- I think you'd have more of a point if it was like win seven games versus win eight. But once you hit the eleven, you just care about winning at that point. And yeah, so that's fair. Because like, but you're right. Like because like Texas Tech, you know, would hold out with the air raid for whoever they hired for years because Mike Leach, Cliff Kingsbury, whoever. I mean, if you're winning six or seven games, so what? It's a fun game. It's a fun game to watch. And so I get your point with that. You're right. Dan Enos, I said it was a bad hire at the time. One of many bad offense coordinator hires in the SEC, including Dowell Loggins, the the great, great genius Mike Bobo, who also could have graduated from an Ivy League school. I'm kidding. Um, but yeah, I think Dan Enos was the worst of the hires. And so I think that Arkansas, look, they got to do what Nebraska has to do. If you're one of those schools like Arkansas and Nebraska, where it's just really hard to recruit, you just got to find somebody that has an offense that no one has that has never been touched or tried before, that no one knows how to defend. And back to the uh, Heisman race wrapping up the weekend. You've got Michael, don't look at my Penix, Penix, (laughs) number one, Jaden Daniels, number two, Dylan Gabriel, number three, number four is Bo Nix, Jordan Travis is number five, which I know that pains you to say. And in the top 10, Ohio State, Florida State, Oklahoma, Washington, Oregon, Texas, Alabama, Ole Miss, Georgia. It's nice that Michigan could show up at 10, Caleb, since they're the best team in the nation. But anyway. Well, I also have Georgia, I also have Georgia at number nine. Notice I have Ole Miss and Alabama ranked ahead of Georgia and Michigan. And that's for a reason. Schedule strength matters. By the way, Dave, I almost put LSU ahead of Georgia and Michigan. And I, I'm not even kidding. Because Georgia and Michigan – Boise State played harder schedules when they were going undefeated in the 2010s than those two schools I played right now. I mean, honestly, Tulane played a harder schedule in 98 when they went undefeated. 
than Georgia and Michigan have played right now. Mr. Jones says your Phoenix is out, um, which would be a funny press conference if you said, um, you know, like the head coach said, I, I just want to tell you guys, I, I love my Phoenix. I, I think that uh, my Phoenix is incredible, uh, but unfortunately uh, he's a little banged up. So my Phoenix is out this week. I mean, also, when you say Mike Phoenix, if it, that's for sure, it almost sounds like that. Well, yeah. <laughs> by the way, by the way, but, you know, the problem with Mike Phoenix, when we, Mike, Michael <laughs> Phoenix, when we talk about the NFL, he's an NFL talent, but he's only 6'3". If, 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 if Phoenix only had a couple Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Have a fantastic day, everyone. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. This has been a presentation of Off the Hook Sports.